single day, at least every single week on this show, we bring on Democrats and Republicans. We try to have thoughtful conversation with the rule of let's let all voices be heard. And at the end, we shake hands and we part friends like any good competition. So it's not a shoving match. It's not a battle royal. Liquid Lunch is a place where all voices can be heard. We're flying the rainbow flag. Um, I have a lot of socially liberal views. Um, I call myself a purple person. So I don't think you can be informed and educated if you have a narrow view of only the stuff you want to hear. And if you can open your mind and hear other people's perspective, it only makes you that, more, that much more of a smarter person. A very smart person joins us right now. Dr. Omekongo Dibinga joins us. He's a Democratic commentator and strategist. And uh, Dr. Dibinga, thank you so much for joining us. Your voice is important because what people overall, we're all Americans, are talking about is important. And we try to have a forum where we can talk about what's important to all people here. Now, you believe that Republicans risked lives just to force Amy Coney Barrett's hearings to happen. Um, do you think the president has a constitutional obligation to fill that vacancy or it should be put off because of the COVID? Well, first of all, thank you for having me. And as you said in the beginning, it's extremely important that we who have differing opinions do this type of work and have these conversations in order to find common ground in these uncommon times. It's one of the things I speak on the most. So, so thank you for that. Uh, as it relates to President Trump's appointment, well, when I talked about risking lives, it was a super spreader event. And we see that people got sick, including the president and, and his family. And when people were talking about the hearings, there were people weren't sure whether people like uh, Lee and other people were going to attend, but they seemed to be willing to risk COVID to make this happen. And so I felt like number one, because of the COVID risk, the, the, this shouldn't be happening. And number two, I do believe that there's an inherent hypocrisy based on what Mitch McConnell did with the Merrick Garland nomination. And that was another reason why I feel we should be waiting for the election. If Trump wins and he has another pick, let him put it on. That's, that's his constitutional right. Okay, fair enough. I understand that. There's definitely hypocrisy, and we've seen it on both sides over the years. You know what I mean? Uh, Harry Reid, you know, enacted the, you know, ended the filibuster on, on uh, circuit court judges and stuff. Um, many Republicans said, you're going to rue the day you did that, um, and now they kind of are. Um, I do want to ask you this, but um, there's been a lot of talk lately about Trump appealing to younger African-American men. And you got, you know, 50 Cent, you got Ice Cube, you got the rapper Waka Flocka and others who are kind of coming out and saying, hey, at least he reaches out to us. You know, Charlemagne the God had this crazy interview with Joe Biden where he said, if you're thinking about Trump, then you ain't black. Um, and I've had men and women from all the political spectrum, um, African-American minorities, and people overwhelmingly feel like saying, if you're not voting for me, you ain't black, is really the height of a racist statement. How did you square that up with supporting Joe Biden? Well, I, I wouldn't say it was a, a racist statement. I would say that it was an ignorant statement, something he definitely should not have said, and he recognized it as being wrong. And that's one of the challenges or the differences we have with Trump versus Biden. When Biden makes a mistake, even as it relates to Anita Hill calling and having a conversation, although it happened way too late, right, he recognizes the wrong. Donald Trump never apologized for his 
comments or, or his taking out an ad to have the Central Park Five executed. He's never apologized for his policies where he got sued by the federal government under the Nixon administration in the 70s for marking C for colored on applications for housing so people who are black couldn't get into his homes. And so when we talk about a, a track record as it relates to wrongdoings, at least Biden is making an attempt to be better. And to be quite honest, I'm also a rapper myself. 50 Cent and Ice Cube and, and, and Waka Flocka, I'm not saying black people are a monolith, but they do not speak for the majority of the black community. And so for people to prop them up, particularly when 50 Cent has no track record of doing anything positive and productive on a consistent basis for black people in the community, and also said he doesn't care if Trump hates black people. Now, I know you're not saying Trump hate doesn't care about black people, but that's what 50 Cent said. I find that to be extremely problematic. Okay, so I want to just dig down a little bit into that. So you say Trump, you say Biden is trying to be better, right? Yeah. Um, and you're talking about, you know, Trump had housing applications with C on it for colored. I would imagine that's probably true, okay? And I would imagine that's something that he's probably got to make up for in some point if that's shown. I'm looking at a letter on Joe Biden's letterhead from 1977 addressed to the Honorable James O. Eastland, who was a senator, okay, who was a segregationist, right? And he and Joe Biden, he was the primary sponsor of a bill to segregate kids and, and bust, you know, segregate schools. And in as far back as 1977, Joe Biden said, Dear Mr. Eastland, I want you to know that I very much appreciate your help during this week's committee meeting in attempting to bring my anti-busing legislation to a vote. I am hopeful the bill can be voted on at the next meeting, and with your assistance, I am confident there is sufficient support for approval by the, by the committee. Many thanks for your help. Um, so he's actually praising a guy who was a known segregationist and saying thank you for supporting me on anti-busing. So aren't the foundational elements going way back for Joe Biden pointing to the fact that he was, you know, born and bred kind of racist, segregationist at least? Joe Biden also eulogized uh, Senator Byrd, who was racist at one point. I mean, there is no question that you can go back in time and look at issues that Biden had that that showed how he had racist ideas or supported policies that that were inherently racist. The question becomes, where was Donald Trump in 1977? What was it? That was five years after he got sued by the Nixon administration for housing discrimination. And then when you when you move forward, when he says things like, I'd rather have people with yarmulkes counting my money, when he talks about, you know, black people, what, what the hell do you have to lose? And then encourages police officers to be violent with people who are suspects and not convicted, but actually suspects. We can see that on, on both sides, there have been issues of race and racism, but Biden has actually made attempts to change that. Even Kamala Harris called him out for his busing policy, and now look, they are working together on a presidential ticket. So even she also sees that he is making attempts to be better, where Donald Trump can't even have a real conversation about issues we face in our community, like the talk, which was a point that he completely moved around when he was asked that question during the debates, because he doesn't really know what it is. His relationships with us are transactional, and he can say he's the best president since Lincoln, but Lyndon B. Johnson was a segregationist at one point. Right. That's so the rights legislation passed. We can go down the list of other understood, presidents. Understood, but but and I, un, Trump. understood, and I can appreciate that. 
But we have, you know, Christopher Columbus statues getting ripped down because he, you know, apparently, you know, had slaves and he killed indigenous people here in America. So those statues are getting ripped down. But in 1973, campaigning in Alabama, Joe Biden um, talked about his sympathy for the South. Um, and he bragged about an award he received from George Wallace, who was a great segregation, a tremendous segregationist. And he said, we Delawareans are on the south side in the Civil War. So it, it seems like time and time again, he had foundational elements of his personal thought that were for segregation and against in integration and equality. So I don't know why Christopher Columbus is getting ripped down, but Joe Biden's being put on a pedestal as someone who can say, if you're not voting for me, you ain't black. Well, I think if Christopher Columbus lived long enough to, to right his wrongs, he might be celebrated a little bit differently. The fact of the matter is many, and I haven't read that statement you read, but I, I believe you, I take you at your word, we're still going back 30, 40 years. How about we just go back to the last four years and what and what Biden has been trying to do to bring people together, meeting with families in, in Minnesota, meet with the Breonna Taylor family, meet, and meeting with families in Kenosha, Wisconsin, to talk about the issues, to talk about a lift every voice plan for, for black America that really calls for black empowerment. Since Donald Trump has become president, hate crimes have been on the rise over 200 percent in the last four years. And the number one target is, uh, is black people. People look like me. The number two target is the Jewish community. So we can go back. We can go back and talk about Trump's father being involved in Klan rallies and the like. We can go back 30, 40 years. But if we can just go back four years, even eight years, the track record in terms of who's been trying to make progress as it relates to uplifting the black community, there's not even a comparison. So I'm more less concerned. I'm less concerned of what people did versus what they're doing now. Okay. Well, I think Donald Trump hit that point home and said, hey, why didn't you do more when you were in office for eight years? Um, and it seems like you know, African unemployment's up, minority new business up, new minority new home ownerships up big under Trump. It seems like some people in that community are making objective divisions, decisions for themselves. I appreciate you taking some time and giving some objective overview. And uh, I hope we can have you back to have a more thoughtful discussion. This was great. I hope so. Let's remember some of those things couldn't get done in eight years because of Republican blockage because they wanted to make Obama one term president. But I do appreciate this conversation and I do hope we get to have some more conversations like this. Thank you so much. Dr. Dubinga, thank you. We're going to take a quick break right here. We're going to come back with more Liquid Lunch right after this. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.